Welcome to Here and Now podcast. I'm Heather. And I'm Sophia. We bring you the stories, the heart, and the humor needed for this journey called life. Join us each week to hear the conversations of a mom, that's me, and a daughter, that's me, and the stories of where others hear God's voice as he brings truth, beauty, and good in their lives right now. This is Here and Now Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Here and Now Podcast. This is episode 102, and we are very excited to welcome a special guest. But first, let's catch up. Hey, mom, how are you? Good, Sophia. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. How's your week been since we last well, recorded? This week, is, this week has been this week has been going. It's been going. <laughs> it's been a little bit better than last week. We've had some good weather here mm-hmm. in the Philadelphia area. We had a walk on Monday out in the beautiful sunny 60 something degree weather. Yesterday, we got to cleaning out the garage. The <laughs> weather was really warm and spent us a, a bit of time doing that. And then as the uh, evening was coming to a <laughs> darkened moment, we came inside for a short bit because there were, I think I had a phone call or something mm-hmm. related to dad. And um, so I think because the garage was open for a short bit, then we went back outside. I had to change a light bulb. So I was up on a ladder and then somehow we're out there, the three of us, the three girls and dad. And then this bat was in this in the garage and the garage doors were closed. So as you can imagine, the bat was kind of flying around trying to get out and still don't know where the bat is <laughs> and uh, might've knocked us off our feet a little bit, some of us, but we're all okay. Oh. Just caused a little bit of, um, you know, trauma to our, <laughs> to our evening. Um, but we're doing okay. Awesome. Well, yeah, that was I'm very- excited for our guest today. I'm excited to talk to Kendra Tierney, right? Yes. So excited. We love Kendra. I mean, I work with her and obviously that is a biased statement. No, you um, get to talk to her often. <laughs> so now I get to talk to her. Yes, I know. So you have had very many, um, I guess a longer time of getting to know what she does um with her homeschool and with your homeschool curriculum and stuff um yeah how long ago did you come to know what she was doing um I guess I don't remember the year but maybe 2018 when I was researching um the end of 2018 when I was in consideration of homeschooling and um I think uh, somehow through different channels of homeschool um communities I was brought to um, know about her compendium book, which I don't even remember what year it was printed, but um, ah, 2018. So it must've been just coming out at the time. And it was um, helping to just organize the liturgical year. And as we were coming into Lent, which was when the girls both came home, I knew we were going to be homeschooling. And in the homeschooling world, if you are bringing them home, often people unschool before they school. And that's a whole thing that maybe someday we'll talk to some master homeschoolers about that rather than yeah. we try to explain it. But basically it, you know, there was a lot of things happening at home mm-hmm. and uh, we just needed to just regroup with the girls and schoolwork. And one of the things that we found to be a really helpful idea was to just focus a lot on Lent and have a lot of what we did. Of course, there were core courses that they did, but things focused around Lent as, you know, a lot of field trips that we did. So we were, um, you know, going to some shrines locally, going to churches, going to a retreat house and just try to spend a lot of time outside mm-hmm. at the retreat house. So um, 
Kendra's book, Catholic All Year, really um, helped kind of organize the day and the Lent yeah. season in her 40 days. And she had this great thing online that I printed off to just do a big calendar on the wall and just, mm-hmm. you know, just so many things just to help focus the girls. They were, you know, been in Catholic school, as you know, because you were yeah. there at the school. <laughs> um, so, you know, their years at Catholic school, <clears throat> excuse me, their years at Catholic school were very, um, you know, organized in things that they were doing. And I just wanted to carry that on and not let that be lost, which yeah. is why it was so important because, you know, they were learning that, but it was on a daily basis in your schools that, that, you know, faith was tied in. So I needed something to be able to guide me, you know, not just going today, Sunday today, you know, this was I just know. really a beautiful way. So I'm excited mm. to, to talk to her a little bit. Me too. I know she has so much expertise and wisdom to offer. Um, not just about liturgical living, but I'm sure about parenting because we'll see how many kids she has. We'll leave this as a cliffhanger. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, And what I love about her is that she does not have um, this pressure Mm -hmm. of sorts. I mean, I know she tells you, she'll tell us how much of a doer she is, right? Yeah. And and that's obvious when you see the work that she puts out and you know that in in the amount of work that you're working on with her um, and your team. Um, But I think it's just beautiful to see that there's the one of the things that I learned as I followed her on social media is how she really, you know, gives herself a lot of grace. You know, we try things and if we can get this far as we learn to detach from things, you know, it's it's, so it'll be be a good conversation. I think she'll bear some beautiful fruit for us. Last week, we discussed some of our favorite resources for preparing for Lent. And one of the books that we highlighted was The Catholic Year Compendium and Prayer Companion, written by Kendra Tierney. And we decided to welcome Kendra to the show to bring her expertise. So, Kendra, thanks for coming on today. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, we're so happy to have you here. Um, So do you want to briefly introduce yourself to everybody? Sure. My name is Kendra Tierney. I'm a mother of 10 kids and live in the Los Angeles area. Um, My passion in life is liturgical living in the home. And uh, I've been practicing that, you know, in our home with my kids for, I guess, 15 or 20 years now. And uh, and I, as you said, wrote uh, some books on the subject. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and it's so funny because like we were talking in our couple episodes back um, about just recapping and how you and I actually recorded in October of I guess 2020 before I even knew the concept of working with you. So I feel like it's just a full circle moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it is pretty cool to how we uh, got re- uh, you know connected so long ago and reconnected now. I know. I love it. So mom, do you have any questions that you want to start us off with? Well, I think the good, the very first question is, since you said, I guess my question would be what brought you to being so intentional about wanting to have a liturgical mindset living in your, in your home? You know, what, what brought you to that? Obviously you're Catholic and, you know, but tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it really was, you know, my husband and I were both uh, raised Catholic, but without any sort of these, um, you know, liturgical living in the home traditions or anything like that. So I, I had all my sacraments, but but really not a great understanding of, of my faith. And so, you know, he and I uh, met and got married and we had kids. And, and it was really then that I realized, wow, you know, I, I want to be able to 
share their, my Catholic faith with my kids. And I just don't really know much about it. So as I started looking into, you know, what do we believe on things, you know, how, and this was, you know, my, my oldest son was maybe three <clears throat> at the time and a very inquisitive kid. So anything you said to him, he'd want to know why. And I did not know the answers to those questions. I didn't know why I, you know, I could tell him vaguely what I thought we believed about stuff, but I didn't understand the why. And as I was, you know, researching, <clears throat> looking into finding these answers, I realized that there's this whole sort of treasure trove of, of, of Catholic traditions and, and Catholic practices that are not only really fun, but also really instructive. And, and that the liturgical calendar is really a gift from, from the church to us as a way to learn about the lives of the saints and also, you know, pieces of church doctrine and, and really important truths and to learn them in a way that's, that's fun, a way that's manageable and little bite-sized pieces that comes around again. So, you know, as, as our kids get older, they, they get to encounter, you know, the, the, the same sort the same stories and the same truths again and, and experience them in a, in a different way. And, uh, and also the beautiful thing about it is, you know, if, if a year is particularly difficult and we don't get to things, well, it's going to come around next year. Um, and, and so I've just really found that, that the liturgical calendar is this great framework for, for learning our faith and celebrating our faith um, and having it be something that's really meaningful in our home. Mm. I, I actually... That's interesting because when I, um, my kids, I was not Catholic growing up. I was around Catholic a lot because I went to a Catholic high school. Um, prior to that, I was in only public school. So I knew nothing and um, then really started to understand the, the calendar based on what was happening in our school, but I still didn't really understand. And then I sent my kids to Catholic school and um, still they would come home with whatever papers. And, and I don't know that I could really understand. And it wasn't really until the last, you know, few years, five years or so, when I found your book and started homeschooling my other kids with the two younger ones at home here to try to understand. And I, it, it really speaks to exactly what you're saying that I didn't have the answers. And I went through RCIA and I probably even learned some catechism a little more deeply than some kids that went to school in Catholic school because of just so many questions and wanting to know why. So you really have given a great gift of bringing that to the table for families, because I know mm -hmm. so many people who are using the Catholic all year compendium to help um, really, you know, lay out how the liturgical calendar is this gift to families. So thank you mm -hmm. for my, my house <laughs> to you. <laughs> um, can you tell me in um, the Lent season, what is one of your most treasured, um, I guess, uh, uh, what's the word I want to, traditions, I, I think that I would, um, because we're talking about Lent and we're ready to move into Lent in, you know, a week or so. So can you tell me something about what your favorite or your family's favorite is? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a big season. It's such an important season. So there are a lot of things that we do, um, but one thing that's really easy and requires, you know, no, no advanced preparation and, you know, no investment is just, uh, is counting to 40 before mm -hmm. we, before we eat. And, um, it, it has the added benefit of teaching my little kids to count. Uh, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> but, but really it's, um, it, it's a kind of 
it's a form of fasting in, in the way that, you know, that we're waiting, we're giving, um, we're, we're making that intentional pause before we eat. Everybody's at the table, the food's there, we all want to eat. And just during Lent, uh, after we say our uh, blessing before meals, we just count to 40. Wow. And, um, and then after Easter, we switch that. And instead of counting to 40, we say he is risen, he is risen indeed. So it really, you know, it marks the season. And I think that that's half the battle with Lent is just being mindful of it, remembering that it's Lent. And, and so I think having these things that we do every day during the season, um, I I think is really helpful in the home. And I think that's so sort of beautiful that, you know, I think of families who probably have a lot of young children and they're trying to manage all the things and they want to introduce liturgical living and, and, you know, the practices in Lent and something as simple as counting, you know, it doesn't have to be something that's so overwhelming. I know that you, and as I was re, you know, reading the book, your book in the Lent section, the last couple of days, it's really powerful how you give people, you know, that this much or that Sophia and I were talking about the moderate, you know, the walking across the parking lot or, you know, all those things that you can take it really deeply depending on the season of your life or something as small as just marking the time of 40 to keep those, you know, ideas in your, in, in front, right in front of you. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's been beautiful. Did you just, um, were these things you're like, Oh, let me just do this. And, and I mean, is that how you came about with some of those traditions that you were? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of it is, you know, some of it is researched to find um, things that have, have uh, historically been done by Catholics, you know, here and in mm-hmm. other countries. Um, and those are my favorite when I can find you know, the, the dusty old prayers and traditions and stuff and, and, and kind of make them fit into our home and our, you know, modern lifestyle. Uh, but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure the 40 thing when I just came up with as something that, that again, my, you know, my little, it didn't, it it didn't take a lot, uh, you know, for my, for my little kids to manage it. And it was something that everybody can participate in. And, and again, makes, makes Lent, um, you know, memorable and noticeable for the kids. Um, and another, probably the the other end of the spectrum is something that we also do is is the Stations of the Cross every mm-hmm. Friday mm-hmm. during Lent, and that certainly is you know that that is a a, a tradition that's been practiced for uh, hundreds of years, and there's Stations of the Cross in every Catholic church. And what it's funny, you know, growing up, I, I grew up Catholic. I had all my sacraments. I always saw those Stations of the Cross on the wall. I never, you know, I, the first time I did the Stations would have been like 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, never really knew that there was a thing. to, to right. um, And, and so I, I, I really do love these traditions that connect us to the history of our faith, connect us to all the people who have, you know, have done this before. Um, and, and, uh, you know, the doing the stations across we, we can't always, especially with, you know, with such big family, I don't, uh, it's hard to wrangle everybody to church to do the, you know, stations across that sometimes start a little too late for us, or sometimes people want to be quieter <laughs> during them than is manageable for, um, for a lot of little kids. And so we just, um, you know, we, we decided, Hey, this is, this is something we can do in our home too. And, 
And then once we were doing it, we're like, you know what, we're going to invite people over to do it with us who also mm. have unruly kids. And, <laughs> um, and so it really has turned into a great tradition that my kids really look forward to, even though now we pretty much could, can manage um, stations across at church. And so we'll, we'll do a mix, but really, um, we really like doing it at home and, um, and, you know, it involves candles and it involves, you know, weird old timey prayers and, <laughs> and it involves some really, you know, intense stories. But, but again, what I like about it is that kids can engage with it at their own level and they'll understand it more as they grow older, but at least they'll, they'll grow up with that sense of familiarity with, um, with the passion of Jesus. And, and I, I definitely want them to have that. Hmm. I love that you spoke about the stations because that's something that, and Sophia can speak to that. When we, when they were little, I used to take them. <laughs> I think we went to one of the live stations and the kids were, they were pretty little. She might've been eight, I had younger, so, you know, yeah. I'm thinking no wonder the church has nobody else with the little kids in there. Um, and had I thought to do it at home, that would have been a, you know, community at home still would have been a really great way to do that. And we, we do now we have, mm-hmm. you know, usually at one, one night a week where we pray and read the, um, the prayers through the, you know, and the stations at the kitchen table with the kids, we've never done it. So, um, so beautifully as I see you're doing it and inviting yeah. people, but that might change this year. <laughs> <You're> inspiring <laughs> no us like now. <laughs> yeah. No time like the present. Hey, we've learned that all along. Um, Sophia, do you have uh, any questions? I I see you're yeah. bubbling up over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it just reminds me of like all the great school days, 1 PM on Mondays, we would go during Lent, we would go to the church and the entire school would be there to do stations. Um, and it was always beautiful, but I just never really understood like the depth of the stations. It was kind of just something that we would glaze over. And, you know, we are going back to your earlier point, um, is I didn't come to know the catechism. I didn't come to know these like deep traditions really until I got to high school and mostly into college. Um, so there's, I feel like there's still so much to learn, even as a cradle Catholic. So I don't know, mom, maybe you have one up on me on this, but because <laughs> you read the compendium first, but um, yeah, there's just so many things that I still desire to learn um, and know, but yeah, so you talked about fasting, but what's the aspect, I guess, of like the alms that you guys do during Lent? Well, and yeah, so the, the sort of push in the, in the, for the beginning part of, of Lent is we're really thinking about Jesus out in the desert. And Mm -hmm. we're thinking about this concept of, of detachment and detaching from, uh, from, from things of the world, whether, you know, even good things, but Mm -hmm. things that we come to sort of rely on that we use as a crutch that we feel like you know, we need, or that we deserve. Um, and, and that Lent is a time to just sort of work on those attachments and to focus instead on, you know, on prayer and on, um, you know, the, the church gives us these concepts of prayer, fasting and almsgiving, uh, for us to focus on. And, and those, it can be, uh, you know, feel overwhelming, big, these are big concepts and, and hard to imagine, you know, exactly how do we do this in a family? But I think one thing that's, that's a nice way to sort of tie them together um, is that if, uh, if we eat in, uh, if we, uh, you know, pay attention to our, uh, our meal choices, and we eat in a sort of less fancy way, a more, uh, a simpler, if we have simpler meals, 
and are able to save money on our grocery budget in that way that, that we can have that as a conversation with, with the kids that we, you know, we're not going to buy these, you know, prepared foods that, that, that we usually like that instead we're going to eat, you know, we're going to make oatmeal instead of buying, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, fancy cereals and, and that, that we can have that conversation with the kids and like, here's, you know, here's what I would normally spend on groceries in a week. And here's what we're going to spend this week on groceries. And we have this, we have saved by our choices by, you know, by what you're, you're eating for breakfast. Instead, we've saved this amount of money and we can give that money to the poor. Mm. And, uh, and we make a big deal of saving money during Lent. And then, uh, and then on uh, Holy Thursday, we visit seven churches is our, mm. is, is a Catholic tradition we do a modified during the day family version and we, <laughs> and the money that we've collected that we've saved from our grocery budget and from the kids doing, you know, odd jobs and things. Uh, we, we save all that money and we uh, put it in the poor box at various um, churches. And so it, it allows the kids to really be sort of involved um, and uh, you know, in, in that, in that almsgiving in, in a way that they can, you know, come, come to understand that, you know, that choices we make uh, can, um, you know, can allow us to have more money to donate and, uh, and, and things like that. And Lent is such a good, like set amount of time that we can, that we can try these things out and learn these lessons. Mm. Oh, that's powerful. Yeah. I love that. Huh. Our Holy Thursday. <laughs> I know our Holy Thursdays are often. We never, we never called it like the seven churches or whatever, but we would do shrine hopping. So we would visit <laughs> all the local shrines that we would go to. I think that's so like, perfect. Padre you Pio. You did that accidentally? That's yes. So awesome. Well, it was sort of, <laughs> and my kids were like, why are you dragging us all over the world? I'm like, we're going here. Because when we were growing up that my husband and I first started dating and I was, you know, 19, the age of my two older kids. And he was 21, mm-hmm. his mom. And, um, I guess a few of her girlfriends I know were doing that. And in the area of Philadelphia, right. You can walk to quarters yeah. and that mm-hmm. was not never, nobody even needed to get into a car. Now That's out so here funny. where we are, you have to kind of get into cars, but we took it one step further and took it all the way. We went St. Rita's St. John Newman to our lady of Chestahova all the way up to Padre Pio. By the time we got there, the place was just about closing, <laughs> but, but it was like a pilgrimage. I mean, it was really yeah. powerful. And each year the kids were like, are we doing this again? But they looked forward to it. So, you know, right? it's the same way. I, and I, I think that, especially when you're doing, you know, that I get questions from people, you know, how can I manage this with my toddlers? I'm like, Oh, managing this with your toddlers is easy. <laughs> like, That's the easy one. Right? Like let's manage this with our teenagers. Yeah, exactly. um, but, but again, and yes, I, I, I think that there definitely is some some pushback sometimes, but, but I also think that they, they appreciate that, that structure and that thing that, you know, to look forward to. And, and I I just, it's, it's family time. It does in LA, we have to drive and everything's half an hour apart. (laughs) And, and so it really does take us, um, I don't know, probably four or five hours to do our, our seven churches. And we, you know, I, we, but, but we do it and we do it every year. And, uh, and I think that it's really, it's really meaningful. It's so meaningful. I mean, and we know with not having Easter, what, two years ago, my children were mourning. They were mourning. Why are we we going to church? 
2019, we visited the locked front door of seven Los Angeles churches. It was the saddest. Oh, saddest, <laughs> saddest Easter ever. I think we drove through, what What did we drive through the parking lot to get Palm? And like, yeah, it was kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. We managed, but we have memories of that now, but it was not, oh. the, not my favorite year. Um, well, so, but I, I will say that as much as I study the lives of the saints, it, it really gives you perspective and, and, you know, people kept saying unprecedented and I just wanted to like, not really <laughs> public <laughs> announcement, super not unprecedented <laughs> is usual. This is usual. <laughs> it happens a lot. And so you go through the lives of the saints and they talk about how, you know, this saint or that, I wish I could remember their names, but, uh, but I, there was one, I, oh, it's going to drive me crazy. I can't remember who it is, but he lived in a giant wine barrel, which I had to like Google. And they are, they're these like eight foot tall wine barrels. He lived in a giant wine barrel in the, uh, out behind his, uh, monastery so that he could go and minister to the people of some plague or other. And, you know, all of these plagues in the, uh, in the, you know, golden legend and these various hagiographies, and they all last about two years. So right from the beginning, I said, you know, it's going to be Seems, two years, you guys. It's, it's going to be two years. years. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it says in these same stories. So you've um, studied all that and you've yeah. seen it. You're like, people, this is nothing new. <laughs> wow. Kendra, you're late. I love it. Um, and that, that's a good, um, I know we'll talk about, um, some the giving up part a, a little bit more in a minute, but I want to go to the saints then. Is there any, I mean, and I celebrate a birthday in the, um, of a very big saint feast day. So I know what my favorite saint is and I'll tell you in a second, but what during the, you know, during Lent you have feasts and fasting, right? So how do you balance that with some of the saint celebrations that you have in there, especially something if St. Patrick's day shows up, you know, how do you, <laughs> where that tends to be a little bit over, over yeah. uh, <laughs> celebrated well, so somewhere. St. Patrick's Day is an interesting one because <clears throat> the church does give us these solemnities and Lent is, um, is a 40 day period within a 46 day period because the Sundays of Lent are not, um, uh, uh, the, the Sundays that occur during Lent don't count as part of Lent. So our, um, you know, our fasting and our voluntary Lenten disciplines wouldn't count on, on Sundays, because that's not really part of Lent. And in the same way, we have these solemnities that mm -hmm. are, are celebrated in the same way as a Sunday that falls during Lent. So we have the Feast of St. Joseph and uh, the Annunciation that fall during Lent. And those are, I, I mean, you gotta love those feast days so much because they, uh, you know, because they give you this, this, you know, time to celebrate in the midst of, you know, a, a time when you're trying to be sober and somber and, uh, you know, and really, and really focus on, <clears throat> on challenging yourself. But then the church says, all right, here, I'm going to give you this little break. And, <laughs> and I'm going to give you this feast day uh, where the tradition is to eat waffles for dinner. So, <laughs> and, and which you know, one so do you do that on? Which one do you? The, the, uh, the feast of the annunciation. Oh, is, right. The waffles. Uh, yeah. Okay. Waffles are, are traditionally remember. eaten for, for the feast of the annunciation. Um, and so I am definitely there for that. And, and, uh, <laughs> yes. and you know, so it, it, be? <laughs> it, it really becomes part of, of your family culture. And, and that's, I think so important. Now, my last name is Tierney. My husband grew up on the South side of Chicago, we are, a, we are a sort of a culturally Irish family. 
Um, and so St. Patrick's Day is always a big deal. We have a big St. Patrick's Day party, but St. Patrick's Day in the U.S. is not a solemnity. It is in Ireland, but it's mm. not a solemnity. So, um, so you would not normally give up your voluntary Lenten disciplines for St. Patrick's Day. So we mm. always just have our St. Patrick's Day party on a Sunday. Mm. And that, You're smart. <laughs> so that way people who have given things up and, uh, you know, and we as a family give up, um, uh, treats and, uh, and so on, on the Sunday, uh, uh, we have our St. Patrick's Day party and we, you know, partake in all of the fun stuff. <laughs> That's beautiful. So my birthday is on March 19th. So I am St. Joseph. There you go. Yay. Right. So Perfect. I never really have to worry about my birthday now, right? <laughs> <laughs> if I give up sweets, I can still have cake. Is that it? <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, you absolutely can. <laughs> yeah, I have uh, one of my daughters has a February birthday and uh, one year her birthday was on Ash Wednesday, which is mm. not that fun. So we had her birthday party before. <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> we had a Mardi Gras birthday party for Oh, so, so when I went back in the book um, and was just looking at notes, the one um, quote that I love that I highlighted, I'm a big book highlighter. I could never give my books away to anyone because they, they'd think, what the heck? You know, you have so many notes. The Christian concept of mortification is dying to self so that the life of Christ can grow in us. Among Catholics, the most common voluntary practice of this self-denial is giving up something or taking something away for Lent. Um, I know we talked a little bit about, you know, the counting and the fasting, but is there something that you could speak to re regarding just the giving up or taking away that, you know, just could help guide anybody that's trying to determine or discern what is the right thing for themselves in this scenario based on whatever their season of life is? Yeah. And I, I do think it depends a lot on season of life and, um, and what, um, you know, what's, what's going to work for your family, the things that we give up as a family, our um, treats and, and TV are, are sort of the, the big ones and, and, and video games for the kids. Mm. And that's not because I think that, that uh, you know, I, I do think that TV can be a, you know, wholesome family activity. And I like, you know, I like our family movie nights that we, and, and I like, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say like, I don't mind the kids playing video games with each other. <laughs> um, they like it. Um, but, but again, it's this concept of, of detachment. And I know for me, I have, you know, my, my sort of crutches are my, my Dr. Pepper and my chai latte <laughs> in the morning. And it gets so like, I'll, you know, I'll be laying in bed and what's the thing that gets me out of bed in the morning? Like, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go get my chai. Um, <laughs> and, um, and so what I need to is I need Lent to prove to myself that I can live without these things mm -hmm. that I can, you know, substitute my, you know, uh, substitute watching TV in the evening. I can listen to a, a you know, an audio book that, that is going to, you know, inspire me and help me become a better person. And I don't, you know, I, I tell myself, Oh, I can't do that right now. I just, it's been such a busy day. I have, I need to unwind. I need to watch a show. I need everybody to leave me alone. Um, and I tell me, I tell myself those things and then, you know, but here comes Lent and it does, it proves to me that I can live without those things. Mm. Now it was a bumpy road getting to there. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and especially with when, when I first decided, all right, we're going to give up TV for Lent. We lived in this tiny two bedroom, um, three story house in, uh, in, in like one of these row houses in Chicago with the squeakiest 
stairs ever and, you know, in one bathroom and I, and I had three little kids and no one could move when the baby was sleeping because it had these squeaky wooden floors. Oh. <laughs> and so I needed everybody to sit still so that the baby could sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so we tried giving up TV and, uh, you know, the toddlers then would just go screaming around the house. Uh, and they would not stay in the basement when I, where I tried to put them. Um, and it was just a big disaster the first year. It was a disaster. And I ended up, you know, tearfully abandoning, giving up TV. But then I tried again the next year. And the next year, it's still, we didn't make it all the way, but we made it, we made it longer. And then hmm. by the third year, and I, you know, I had more kids, uh, but, you know, I think I had discovered white noise machines and that made a big, <laughs> that made all the difference. But, um, but really it just, we just kept trying and, right. and it might not be the year for you to make this big change, but, but, you know, you can always give it a try. And I, I don't think that, that, that that there's no shame in, you know, in having to reconfigure your Lent if you've, you know, if, if you've overshot your goals, but, yeah. but, you know, if you've identified something that you feel like is an attachment and you want to work on that, Lent is the time to work on it. And it might take years. And it did, it took years for us. And I honestly, I dread it. I dread it coming every year. Wow. <laughs> I dread like, you know, having to give up my, um, you know, my watching shows on my iPad and give up my Dr. Pepper in the afternoon. But I take a lot of pride in knowing that, yes, I can live without those things. Mm. And, and honestly, otherwise it feels like, I don't know, it feels embarrassing to me in some ways to be so attached to those things. Cause I look at, at people who lived for, you know, thousands of years before us who lived without all of those, uh, all of these things. And, uh, and so I shouldn't feel like I can't live without them. So at least, you know, I, I think that there's a power there in knowing like, yes, I like these things. I get enjoyment from these things, but I don't need these things. And boy, do I have more time in my day, you know, when, when I, when I strip some of these things away. And so when, when we're not watching, you know, when I can't just tell the kids, yeah, you guys go, you know, go watch TV. Well, then we end up, you know, we end up playing board games. We end up reading books aloud. We end up just sitting mm -hmm. by the, you know, sitting around on the couches in the living room, having a conversation. And, and those things are genuinely possible in my home because we spent many years fighting to detach from, from TV just for during Lent. And, you know, and now we don't, you know, the kids don't love it, but they are used to it. And they know that, you know, they know that it's coming and they know that we can handle it and they, you know, come up with, with other things to do. And I think that that's, that's a real gift of Lent. Absolutely a gift. And I think Sophia was going to, that's a perfect segue that it opens yeah. up the door for some more prayer time, I would imagine, because then yeah. you're, you know, stepping away from some of the other things. Sophia, did you want to? Yeah. How much, bring up that? how do you guys incorporate prayer, I guess, into Lent? You know, we still have busy schedules between school and doing activities, but do you have, you know, whether it's sitting at the kitchen table? Um, yeah. How do you guys incorporate that? Yeah. And I, I think that just because of what a success sort of liturgical, this liturgical living in the home framework has been for us, most of our family prayer happens around the dinner table. So mm -hmm that's it's something that, that is a really sort of prioritized part of our family culture is that we really, um, you know, we, we are really focused on family dinners and having family dinners. And, and, and so that's the time when, when we're together. So we'll say our blessing before meals, we'll say 
and then um, I've, I've got the, the Catholic year prayer companion. And so that has prayers that are, you know, appropriate for Lent and for different feast days that fall during Lent. And so I'll read the, um, you know, the, the reading that's associated with that day, or we'll just say, you know, an extra prayer or something during Lent and, and, and have that conversation. So um, that's, that's, you know, during, throughout the whole year, that's, that's really where, um, where most of our family prayer takes place that and in the car, <laughs> down your table and in the car that when we're, you know, when we're stuck in the car, we say a family rosary mm. because that's really sort of a predictable place that we can get to it most days. Um, and, and I, I always say, you know, well, I, my grandfather used to say better is the enemy of good enough. So mm. while my, my preference would be for us to, you know, come and sit in our lovely chapel and say family <laughs> rosary every evening, it just practically is really hard to manage that with, um, with such a, with, with so many people and so many different schedules. And so we have settled into, you know, the way that it will actually happen is if we do it in the car and sometimes we're in two different cars and, um, but yeah, that's, what's been successful for us, um, long-term and then to, uh, to try to set the example of, of personal prayer, um, for my, for my husband and I, and, um, Lent is also such a good time to sort of you know, recommit to that. And, um, and that I think that, uh, you know, the best thing, one of the best things I can do for my kids is when they come looking for me in the morning, you know, do they, where, where do they find me? What do they find me doing? And, and, you know, it's, it's always best if, if I'm into that habit of spending some time in here in prayer in the morning, you know, and when my kids come to find me and, for help with something, you know, that, that that's what they find me doing, then I, I, th- I think that, that that is, um, you know, an, an inspiration for them to, to seek out quiet time. And, you know, again, in a, in a really busy house, it's nice that we have this, <laughs> we have this chapel where they can actually come and the, especially the older kids and it's quiet. And we, yes. um, so, so that they can have some, um, you know, you know, some, some quiet time and some time to meditate. And we have books up here and, um, in our old house, when we didn't have a dedicated chapel, we had just sort of a, a corner of the living room where we had a crucifix and, um, and our rosaries and, and some books. Um, but it really is, uh, it really has been so great to have, you know, a quiet place set apart in the, in the home. So beautiful. It really is. I love it. Um, so tell me, you know, we've talked about prayer, almsgiving, fasting, and I know you bring a lot of food into that since we read, <laughs> can read that in your book, all the great, and see that on the Instagram things that you're <laughs> starting to share. So yeah. tell me what you are working on right now in Cathagol year. What are, what are some of the things that you are yeah, so preparing I to have... share or are sharing? <laughs> well, I really think you know, Lent is such an inspiration for so many people to start these sort of liturgical living in the home practices, because, you know, rightly, we recognize that Lent is this opportunity, this, you know, defined period where we can really try to, you know, try to make some changes. So I think that, that that was really one of the first um, places that that I focused on when we had, you know, starting with the blog, and then as I started trying to provide resources for people, um, Lent was really, was where that started. 
Um, and, and so there are a ton of Lent resources <laughs> available um, at catholicallyear.com. The new ones for this year, we have this Lent workbook, um, mm-hmm. which I think is, it, it, it's, it's really great. And uh, Grace, who uh, works with Sophia and I uh, did all the, uh, uh, put it together and, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it's really beautiful. It explains fasting and it explains um, giving and praying and there's meditations. It focuses on saints days too. And what I like about it is, so it's a, it's a workbook that you can write in. And if you're trying to, you know, if you're anything like me, the worst thing about, about trying to spend time in prayer is just like, if you're a person who really likes to be busy and really likes to be accomplishing things, like, okay, God, here I am. Like, <laughs> what now? <laughs> you know, like I need something to do. You're not um, a sit in silence, just sitting kind of person. I not, Kendra. No, I, I, I am not a, you know, quietly levitating. Uh, <laughs> I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> we need people like you though. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I am a, like, I am a, like, I'm going to hike to this, like, chapel at the top of this mountain you're, awesome. you're all coming with me <laughs> <laughs> even the non-hikers are coming that's it yeah. <laughs> um but yeah so something like this I think really gives me like a, you know a lifeline it gives me something to do a set amount of time like all right I'm gonna spend five minutes in prayer in the morning 10 minutes um I'm I'm going to get a you know non-sweetened cup of herbal tea and I'm going to sit <laughs> and uh and, you know and and spend some time with a little bit of direction. So I think that that, that having something like the, like the workbook is really helpful. And then, um, we also have, we do subscription boxes, which are actual, you know, liturgical living resources that ship out to people, uh, every month. And, uh, and, uh, out of outside the subscription, we also have what we call the, the mega box of Lent and Holy week and Easter resources. And those are in order to help us uh, really with, with the activities and the decor and things like that for the different seasons that I, I think, you know, people are really used to decorating for Christmas, but I think it's also really important to decorate for Lent and to decorate for Easter, especially for moms who are home a lot, um, yes. because, because we want that, that visual reminder of of the season, I, it, it helps me so much. And I think it helps the kids, you know, to have burlap and purple cloth, to have a little cactus, to have, um, uh, you know, some sort of like, we have a, a, there's a beautiful Easter, you know, he is risen um, banner that, that we put up for Easter. And then there's a stations of the cross one that we put up um, for, for during Lent. And that way, I, you know, like I said, the, like the, the, the 40 days, <clears throat> the counting to 40, that it sort of, you know, uh, sets, sets the parameters of, you know, the defines Lent for us. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, having, having some decor items, making my home look like Lent in the same way. I just, it, it's so, it's so meaningful. I think the way that the church looks kind of bare and, and that, um, you know, the, that the altar decorations are so different during Lent and then they're so celebratory during Easter Un- and that we can reflect that in our homes. Um, and, and I think that it's, it's really meaningful to keep us, you know, engaged with Lent. Mm. I agree with that. I've been trying to, I, 
it's taken me a little time. I've got all my Christmas stuff down, but it's just not all, it's down in the lower level of the way. <laughs> Today, the 25th. Oh no, I have till tomorrow. Cause I said, by tomorrow, it's all going to be away. <laughs> um, and then we had this whole incident where a bat was in our garage last night. So we're, I, I just, maybe Sophia will tell you later if she talks to you because I don't want to get into that story now, but it was a very fright. He's still there. And I <laughs> Um, and some of our, we were cleaning some of that stuff out because it was a beautiful 70 degree, 70 degree day yesterday. Yeah. Um, now I lost my train of thought what I was going to ask you. <laughs> Bats are more well-suited for, for decorating in like October and November. Indeed. And I, I, was, I was out there, you know, maybe I need to take some holy water. <laughs> um, what I was going to say is that I'm stripping my home of things now, just other things, just to kind of, t- and just kind of bringing back in just a few things mm-hmm. that I have, you know, some of the things that I got in your mega box and a few <laughs> things that I've collected over the years that I like to have, you know, just to, just to keep the space a little bit more, you know, just simple, you know? Well, and I think that's really, that's really a great place to start. Like we have this big China cabinet in our, in our dining room, you know, and that's what we look at when we're, when we're eating dinner. And the, the most meaningful thing I think that, that I do is pull a bunch of stuff out of it. And we have all of our, I've got my grandmother's silver, you know, these big giant platters and stuff that I have gotten from both of my grandmothers, because none of the other cousins want to deal with giant silver platters. Like, yes, <laughs> I will take them all. That's me. I'm the silver collector. <laughs> yeah. But I, so normally, you know, they're shiny and, and up, uh, you know, high in, in the room. And so I just, I pull all of those things out mm-hmm. and I wrap them up and I put them, um, and I put them down in the basement and, um, and I clear out a, a lot of the, you know, decorative things and just leave it more plain. And that's, mm-hmm. You know, so you don't have to invest in a lot of, you know, it's not like Christmas decoration level, like get out all your bins. Right. It can just be a pairing back and making things look a little bit more simple. Um, you know, we have, we do a piece of burlap cloth on, um, you know, on the dining room table as sort of a centerpiece with, with some purple and a, um, and a, a little crown of thorns and some nails. And then I, I literally just go out and get some rocks out in the yard and, mm-hmm. and put some rocks <laughs> around and, you know, and so I think that, that just, you know, just that really, um, it's, it's sitting there in the middle of the dinner table while we're having these conversations. Yep. Mm. I think we wow. started doing that a, a four or five years ago with just, I mean, I always have burlap around my house anyway, cause it's <laughs> yes. just the design I have, but <laughs> like, Oh, this is easy. You know, I burlap everywhere. Yeah. Um, right. yes. And I think that, um, that you've done some really good stuff. So then you have your compendium that came out, the prayer companion that came out last year, right? Yes. Yeah. So the first book was the Catholic All Year Compendium, uh, the Catholic All Year Compendium. And that's where I just sort of explain the history and traditions behind these, these feast days and, and really how I've managed to, to incorporate them into our family life. And, you know, my kids vary in age from, you know, the youngest is two, the oldest is 19. Um, and we've been doing this, you know, long enough that, that I think my goal is that it's a realistic, manageable approach to doing this for, for busy families. Um, and then I make a lot of suggestions in here for Bible readings and prayers and stuff that are associated with, with the seasons and feast days. And then the newer book, this, the Catholic All Your Prayer Companion, um, is just a compilation of, of all of those. Bible readings, the collect prayers, which I think is such a beautiful way to, you know, if, if even if we're not able to get to the mass, 
um, on all of these feast days, we can still pray the collect prayer at home mm-hmm. and they're so beautiful. I they're agree. so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it really does. Um, it, it, it uh, aligns our home celebration with the holy sacrifice of the mass by, you know, by sort of incorporating that prayer. Um, and this, I, I, I always kind of say that, you know, this, this book is for moms and uh, was written for moms. And this one was written for dads. Because, <laughs> you know, I want my husband to be able to lead our family in prayer, mm-hmm. but, you know, he can just roll in the door from work, sit down at the table for dinner and, you know, we can just crack up, crack open this book and he can lead our family in prayer. And that's like, I was saying, you know, I want my kids to find me in prayer. Well, my husband, he's a daily math, you know, he's a daily communicant. He goes to mass every day he spends time in prayer every day, you know, he listens to the, you know, podcasts and stuff in the car that are all, but my kids don't see any of that. So I think that it's really great for him to have this, this opportunity to lead our, our kids um, and lead our family in prayer. And this is, you know, was, was really compiled in order to help him do that. Mm -hmm. So So beautiful. It's a great, I didn't realize that with the, (laughs) being for the fathers and then the husbands <laughs> in the house. Sophia, did you have a question that you wanted to ask? Cause we do this yeah. thing every, every week that we want to, um, yeah. we love our saints. In fact, I have my little saint shirt on today. So. Okay. <laughs> right. Like Paul, you know, speak like Augustine. Oh, I've, I've got my uh, on, Joseph scarf on <laughs> outrageous mom. And so, oh yeah. Oh, she's yeah. actually was yeah. messaging with her last night in the wee hours. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she'll yeah. love to know that we've talked about her. Right now. <laughs> so fun. I actually was walking past my miraculous medal. I was like, maybe I'll throw that on, but I just didn't. <laughs> I was trying to get so many things done. Um, yeah. Because of our exciting night last night with the bat. <laughs> <laughs> trying to manage all the things and help my hubby and get him, you know, he's he had a chemo on, th- on Tuesday and just a very busy um, uh, therapy day yesterday. And then an encounter with a bat, they kind of like knocked him <laughs> off his feet a little bit. We'll just leave it there. It's oh, never, my. you know. This, this journey and this diagnosis yes. is never a dull moment, right? It's, it's I mean, it's pretty inconvenient overall, <laughs> I would say. Um, I, you did say that. And Sophia and I giggled that about, about that. You yeah. must have said that to her. And I'm like, yeah. this is my life, you know, and it, it is inconvenient and it is bringing me closer to God in every oh. way. Yes. <laughs> Foot of the cross. Um, Sophia, nice. have you have a question about saints? This is our, yes. this is our little bump, bump, bump uh, segment yes. of Saint Chasers. Yes. So every week we end our episode with who is chasing us this week, kind of like our saint stalkers. So who is your saint stalker, your saint chaser for this week? Hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, I think I have to just go with with uh, what I've been working on uh, the the uh, the next the box I've been working on um, sourcing yeah. things for is the the April box and so I've been working on the uh, Saint George and Saint mm-hmm. Catherine of Siena in there and I, I I love how it it really you know requires me to look more deeply into the lives of the saints as I'm trying to you know make sure I'm not telling people the wrong thing and whatever <laughs> but um and and uh, saint quotes, it's so frustrating because there are some saint quotes that are really well known that are not accurate, you know, or at least, mm. you know, that there, there's no documentation that, that they actually said that. So I always try to find the actual sources. And I was reading through all these letters of St. Catherine of Siena um, that she that she wrote to people, including um, letters that she wrote to Pope Gregory the Ninth. Um, and she didn't know him, just 
started writing him letters and managed to get him <laughs> to move back from, move the papacy back from Avignon to Rome. Um, but her letters are so beautiful and respectful and encouraging. And she's like, you are messing this up, but you can do it. Like you can do this. I, I believe in you. <laughs> like you are getting bad advice. That's really cool. <laughs> I know you can do better. And I just like, I just love her approach on it. And I just think of her as like such this like feisty saint. Um, and it's so, I, I, I like reading about the more, you know, calm and, uh, and uh, pious saints. Um, but I also like knowing, you know, that there are some out there that, uh, that were not quiet and retiring and, uh, you know, they still made the cut. <laughs> that's Amazing. so, that's so great. I mean, and I, I think, um, yeah, that Sophia was saying that when we talked about saints last week, she said it was going to be hard for her to maybe pinpoint one specific saint herself because of the work that you're doing that yes. you know they're you're always they're just floating being, around in my head <laughs> yeah. very much so so that said Sophia putting you on the spot who is your yeah. saint for the week of sorts or who's been tapping on your shoulder I just feel like when I write the liturgical living newsletters for you that there's always going to be one saint that sticks out to me but this week I think it's Saint Peter Damien I know that he's a patron saint of naps and I know that I need naps quite often the cycle of sleep is very important so he's like you need to sleep more so that's so funny mom what about you so I really I was just sitting here thinking who's my saint who's my saint (laughs) um earlier in the week I kept the name polycarp 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 Mm. and I couldn't I didn't and then wasn't his feast day yesterday? Yesterday, yes. And yes. I don't really know a lot. I had to go pull out one of or two books to kind of, um, you probably could tell me more, um, Kendra, than I can. Um, I just know that, that he is a martyr. <laughs> Maybe I'm feeling a little bit like a martyr these days. <laughs> not in the right way. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, it was just kind of funny. I said, oh, so you really have been because he was just coming to mind over and over and over again. And, and, you know, maybe somewhere I glanced, his name was, you know, that the, his feast day was coming, but I just found it kind of interesting yesterday. It was yeah. yesterday, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I love that his name means many fruits, which is, <sighs> It's so cool. And, yeah. and I, I don't think, you know, there's not a lot of little polycarps running around, but it's a right. cool name. <laughs> it is a cool name. It is a cool name. Little fruits. Hmm. Well, maybe that could be it. There are little fruits working in this life of mine, including in the bat, in the bat cave out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, any, any um, Bible verses or things that have inspired you this week, Kendra, or anything that quotes that you said you're, you know, thinking about? Um, the, 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 um, St. Catherine of Siena quote that I, I thought was really beautiful and I, I don't have the exact wording on it, but, you know, she said that don't be, don't be afraid of the darkness because from the darkness comes the light. And, and I just think that, you know, that, that especially in this sort of, you know, challenging time that we've been going through as a, uh, you know, as a world the last couple of years. I just think, you know, that from that darkness comes light. It gives us opportunity to, uh, you know, to really focus on what's important and to lift each other up. And, uh, and I think, you know, she lived in a more challenging time than we did. <laughs> um, and, you know, that, that she made, made something beautiful out of it. Mm-hmm. I think that is a perfect way to end this <laughs> conversation, because all I could think of is there is a lot of, um, 
pain and darkness that people are feeling right now. I'm sure today yeah. of, you know, in the last, you know, 24 hours and the world feels mm-hmm. a little bit heavier and darker, but yeah. we have the light and <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Lent is what we're going to, you know, draw us closer to God and to see and feel and know that, you know, he suffered and died for us in, in that, in that way. And to help us find that light. Um, is yeah. there anybody else want to add anything else to this or can we? No, I think that's perfect. Perfect way perfect to close. Way to end. Yes. Kendra, this was lovely. <laughs> yes. I know. It was so good to talk to you and have you on and just share your expertise and wisdom with everybody. You, yes. You so you're much. amazing. Amazing. Yes. It's been, it's been a good morning to spend time with you yes. and my girl. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode of Here Now podcast. Have a wonderful week and we will all see you next time. Bye. Bye.